Well, hello to you there, friends and neighbors. Just want to say thank you for joining me for another Sunday here for another episode of the Old Country Church. This morning, friends, I'm going to start the broadcast out by reading a chapter for you from the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 51, if you want to read along with me. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou deservest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create me a clean heart, God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not the Holy Spirit from me. Restore me unto the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressions thy way. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall shew forth thy praise. For thou deservest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. And shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. And thou shalt offer bullocks upon thy altar. Friends, I read something the other day that, uh, that made me read that psalm there. I read something from a book by the name of Precept Upon Precept, Volume 1, from the late Pastor Henry Mahan. It's a book of his articles he wrote for his church bulletins at 13th Street Baptist Church in Ashland, Kentucky. And there's a second volume of it that leads up to uh, when he quit preaching there full-time in 2003. So if any of you would like to pick these books up, like I said, it's Precept Upon Precept, Volume 1 and 2. And you can find them at lulu.com. But this is what I read the other day that caused me to find this song. The name of this short article was called Conflict But Not Condemnation. Henry says, All true believers struggle against sin and rejoice in complete justification at the same time. All true believers are in a state of conflict but not condemnation. Men of old wrestled with the nature of sin, but they always rejoiced in forgiveness. David said, My sins are ever before me. But he also said, And God is my salvation and my glory. Job said, I arbor myself. But he also said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Isaiah said, I am a man of unclean lips. But he also said, By his stripes we are healed. Romans 7 and 8 have been, is, and will be our experience as long as we live on this earth. In the notes to this episode, friends, I'm going to put links to some sermons Henry Mahan done on Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. I believe both of them are two parts, so there's four sermons all together, and I would recommend that each and every one of you listen to them. That right there is a picture. What Paul went through is what all believers go through. So like I said, friends, I will put it in the in the notes to I'll put some links in there for you to sermon audio where you can listen to the sermons.
But I'm going to play a hymn for you. Then I'm going to get to a message from Pastor Henry Mahan from back in 1981 entitled No Condemnation in Christ. Friends, I appreciate each and every one of you that took the time to listen to this broadcast this morning. I hope the message you're about to hear is a blessing to you. God bless you.
now at the expense of being thought a smart aleck, and I certainly don't feel like I'm giving that appearance, but it may be someone will come to that conclusion. But I'm going to say it anyway. I believe that our forefathers, in dividing the Bible into chapters, erred greatly in many places. I, I believe they, now the Bible originally was not written, Romans 7, verse 24 and 25, and then Romans 8, verse 1 and 2. That's not the way the Apostle Paul wrote the Bible. And there's some places where our forefathers had to divide it somewhere, I suppose, to help us find Scripture. How would you like to try to find a verse of Scripture or a portion of Scripture if you just had the manuscript in paragraphs? It'd be more difficult. But it's, it's led to some errors. It's, uh, it's led people to build whole denominations. I like the Church of Christ, Acts 2.38. If they didn't have that, they'd fold up. You know that, and I do too, Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sin. And what Paul, Paul, uh, uh, Luke didn't write that in the book of Acts, it, as Acts 2.38, Jay, that's not the way he wrote. It was in a context. It was in or the Armenians. If he didn't have this, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, the apostle didn't write it that way. He, Peter wrote it in a... In a, in a paragraph in which he addressed believers, he said, God's long-suffering to usward, to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And they're not going to perish, child. They're coming to repentance. For the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. But uh, we, we, build, we build whole denominations and, and we build systems of theology on verses of Scripture that have been taken out of context that were not in the original scriptures, verses at all. They were half of a sentence. And, and we've lifted them right out and put them over on the wall. This is, this is one of the things that... Uh, I like verses of scripture around the home. Some of you ladies have verses of scripture, but some of you have parts of verses. And, and that's not, uh, it's not uh, being fair to the scripture, just to have a part of a verse. You can't get the whole sentence, at least, or maybe the paragraph. You, you get in trouble. And, here, and here's a chapter division that gets a lot of folks in trouble. I actually heard a man say one time, I actually heard him say, that uh, believers ought to get out of Romans 7 into Romans 8. You ever heard that? Believers ought to get out of Romans 7 into Romans 8. Did you ever hear that? I've heard that so many times. I've heard people boast of being out of Romans 7 into Romans 8. There's no such thing as Romans 7 and Romans 8. There's no way you can get out of Romans 7 because they're into Romans 8 because they're one. Look at verse 1 of chapter 8. There is therefore, therefore, you start a new chapter with therefore? Somebody said one time when you see a therefore in the scripture, well, see what it's there for. It's talking about what just been said. That's what it's talking about. Paul says in Romans 8 verse 1, there's therefore now no condemnation because he said in the preceding sentence, I've been delivered from my sin by the grace of God through Christ Jesus. Therefore, there's no condemnation. It's, it, uh, you never, Romans 7 and 8, they're one. Not two different two different uh, doctrines or two different divisions, Romans 7 and 8. I'll tell you this, both Romans 7 and Romans 8 has been, is now, and always will be your experience until you enter glory. That's a fact. Romans 7 and, and Romans 8. Look back at chapter 7, verse 15. The things I don't approve of, that's what I do. And the things I do approve of, and the things I love, and the things I delight in, and the things I desire, I don't find myself always doing them. I'm talking about the perfection. When I would do good, evil's present with me. I find the law warring in my members that the will is present with me. How to perform that which is perfect, how to pray a perfect prayer, I haven't found it yet. 
How to walk a perfect path, I haven't found it yet. How to think a perfect thought, I haven't found it yet. How to love in perfection, I haven't found that yet. The will is present with me. How to perform it, I hadn't found that yet. But I thank God, he says, there's no condemnation to me in Christ. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing, but there's no condemnation in Christ. What I'm saying is this briefly. I struggle against sin every day, don't you? I struggle with it. I hope against it. Do you? And yet every day I rejoice in complete justification. That's so. I struggle with and against sin every day. But at the same time, I rejoice and thank God for complete justification. I'm redeemed, I'm justified, I'm forgiven. There's no condemnation to me in Christ. And yet I struggle every day with sin. Tell you something else. Every true believer is in a constant conflict with flesh. He's in a state of conflict, but he's not in a state of condemnation. Turn to Galatians. Just hold Romans 8 there and turn to Galatians chapter 5. And let me show you this. Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 17. What I'm saying is this. Every believer, every believer is in conflict. Now, what, if you're sitting there and you're saying, I don't have any conflict, then you're in this gall of bitterness because you're in one of two states. The unregenerate doesn't have any conflict and the religionist won't admit it. Uh -huh. That's right, Charlie. You say, I don't have any conflict. You're not talking about me. When you say in, in daily struggle against sin, in daily conflict with the flesh and sin, and yet rejoice in, 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 in regeneration and redemption, I don't have that conflict. I'm saved and sanctified and set apart and the old nature eradicate. You're in two, one of two states. You're either unregenerate or you're a lying religionist. Because that just ain't so for the believer. And I think I tell you what I think really and truly. I think there's some religionists who are going around boasting that they don't sin and are not and are not tempted to sin because they feel like that's what people expect them to say. Their preacher expects them to say that, and their denomination expects them to say that. When they get home, they know they've been lying. They know it's not true, and the preacher knows it's not true. But he's so afraid somebody's going to think he's a sinner. He's so afraid somebody's going to think that he's not as holy as he ought to be. God knows how holy you are. God knows. And ain't no use fooling everybody else or trying to. But look at Galatians 5, 17. The flesh, the flesh, and that's what you're made of, flesh, lusteth or warreth against the Spirit. Against the Spirit. You're, you've got... You're a man of two natures if you're saved. You've got a nature that hates, hates, hates sin, loves holiness. You've got a nature that hates holiness and loves sin. And that fleshly nature, that flesh, when God saved you, he left you in the body. He said, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. Keep them from Satan. You wonder how you can be saved and have the thoughts you have and the feelings you have and the temper and the passions and these things that you have because you've still got eyes and you've still got flesh and you've still got hands and a feet and an appetite. You've still got a nature. You've still got a human. You're still human. you still got hair and flesh and teeth and you still feel pain and you still get upset when you feel it, don't you, Jack? And you still got feelings. You get in despair and despondency because you got a natural, you got a natural mind. You got a spiritual mind, a spiritual soul, a spiritual nature. But you got a fleshly mind that hurts just like anybody else. Well, I tell you this: a redeemed man can have a headache just like anybody else, and he 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 has feelings too. And somebody tells him to shut his mouth, he gets mad just like anybody else gets mad. His flesh. His fists double up just like that, just quick as, as anybody else's does. But he has a new nature. Now watch this. The flesh lusted against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. That holy nature, that righteous nature, it doesn't like the flesh any more than the flesh likes the holy nature. That holy nature will be glad when that flesh is buried. 
It'll be glad when those thoughts are not entertained and when those words are not spoken and when those feelings are gone and when all of the pride and, and, and envy and jealousy and all of these things are gone, the new nature, the holy nature, is, is vexed by those thoughts. In other words, have you ever said something to someone on the job, you know, and you snap back and you say, and in your heart you, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't felt that. I wish I hadn't done that. God help me, forgive me. That's that, that new nature didn't like that. That new nature didn't like that. It bothered that new nature, depressed that new nature. And that new nature spoke against it. All right, read on. These are contrary the one to the other. You cannot do the things you would. Because of the presence of that holy nature, the flesh can't do what it would. That's right. It can't do what it would. Somebody offends you and you say, I'm going to get even with him. Hey, that mister's going to, he's going to feel my wrath. No, he's not. You're going to pray about it and seek God's will and, and you're, going to, you're going to get over that. Your new nature's not going to let you get even. Your new nature's not going to do it. Well, I tell you, when that young man comes home, he's going to catch it from me. No, he's not. No, he's not either. By the time he comes home, you're going to repent. You can't, all right? Neither can the flesh, neither can the spirit do what it will. I tell you this, I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray. I'm going to witness to somebody. I'm going to walk with God. I'm not going to think this thought anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm... Yes, you are, too. Yes, you are. That's the reason I don't care much for signing pledge cards and making vows and resolutions and stuff like that because I tell you, just sure as you say under God, I'll never again. Watch out now. Be careful. Be careful. Don't bow a vow unto God unless you're prepared to pay it. And you're not prepared to walk in perfect holiness yet. Not prepared. So that's what he says there. Turn back to Romans 7 now. In other words, in other words, what I'm saying is I struggle and you struggle with sin. We struggle with the thoughts. Now wait a minute. A lot of folks got this thing of sin whittled down to getting drunk and uh, living in adultery and lying and cursing God. And but now, when I'm talking about sin, when Paul's talking about sin here, he's talking about that sin as a principle, as a nature. In other words, a lot of folks don't look on pride as being sin. Pride is sin. Now, these things that I've just mentioned are the products of sin and the results of sin, and they're damaging, and they shouldn't be done. The, word, the law of God's against them. But now, but let me tell you something. Envy is sin. Jealousy is sin. Malice is sin. Bigotry is sin. Prejudice is sin. Anything that's not perfect is sin. The thought of foolishness is sin. There's not a person here. Our sins, you see, and, and our personalities have a lot to do with it. Our, the way we, our makeup, our general makeup. They're, they're, you have weaknesses I don't have. I possibly have weaknesses, directions you don't have. And a person may be, it's like a fellow said to me when I was in, I was in school down at Tennessee Temple College. Uh, I love baseball. always have loved sports, basketball, baseball, football. And... and uh, I cut class one afternoon to go to a ball game. Uh, Anthony Trotto, the band leader, and I went to see the Chattanooga Lookouts open their season at Ingle Stadium. The score was 3-2. It was Thursday afternoon. <laughs> but uh, I don't remember too much about it. But anyway, Anthony and I went to the ball game, and, and we came back to school the next morning. And uh, Lee Robinson's assistant director of mission met us at the door, and uh, you fellas weren't in... Uh, certain class. You don't remember the class I missed, but you fellas weren't there. No, we, we, we had a little mission to take care of. Where'd you fellas go? You wouldn't leave it alone. We went to the ball game. Oh, he was horrified. Just horrified. Just smitten. Just his, his whole spiritual self just wilted. No, surely not. Yes, yeah, we did. Went to the ball game. Well, uh, that's wrong, he said. I said, uh, Durwood, I said, you like ball, baseball? He said, I despise it. 
Well, I said, that accounts for it, you know. You, 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 you see, here's the thing. We're different. And uh, what I'm trying to point out is that, uh, that uh, what, what most people call sin, you see, I don't think Paul had any trouble getting drunk here, do you? I don't think that's what he's talking about at all. I don't think Paul was talking about uh, taking anybody's life here or maybe robbing a bank. I don't think he's talking about running off somebody's wife here. I don't think he's talking about these things at all. I, I think Paul's talking about this inward nature, this conflict, this thing which we know to be sin. I think the believer hates pride as much as he hates lying. I believe the true believer hates envy as much as he hates adultery. I believe the true believer hates jealousy and despises malice and prejudice just as much as he does thievery or covetousness because it's all imperfection. You might talk about great sins and little sins, but I don't find that in this book, Bob. See, it is sin. I don't, I don't find in the Word of God where there's there's great sin and little sin. There's black sin and white sin. I just find S-I-N sin. And to offend in one point of the law, you should be able to tell the whole law. You know, men of old wrestled with sin, and yet they rejoiced in forgiveness. David said, listen, my sin is ever before me. I will take the cup of salvation and rejoice in the Lord. Listen to Job. I abhor myself. I know my Redeemer living. Listen to Isaiah. I'm a man of unclean lips. By his stripes we're healed. See him? Listen to Paul. I'm the chief of sinners. Therefore, being justified by faith, I have peace with God. So this is what I'm saying in these two chapters. And notice the text is written in the present tense. There is therefore now no condemnation. If you miss this, you miss the whole blessing. This thing is written in the present tense. You'll miss the truth of it, the beauty of it, the blessing of it, if you don't see the now. Now! My heart is heavy because of my shortcomings. Isn't yours? Isn't your heart heavy right now? Don't, don't you feel a, a heaviness with a sense of your inadequacy? You take right here, since we've been here this morning, have you really, has your affection been set on things above? Has your heart been on the things of God? Has no thought gone through your mind that is displeasing to the Lord? Is your mind really on this message right now? Or are you doing a business deal that you're going to take care of? You're in the house of the Lord. The presence of angels. Christ said he was here. Is your mind concentrated on him. You say, I'm afraid not, preacher. Don't you wish it were? <laughs> huh? Don't you wish you could worship? Well, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about my heart's heavy with a sense of my inability. My heart is heavy with a sense of my guilt. My heart is heavy with some of the things that I thought. But now, wait a minute. My heart rejoices in mercy. My heart rejoices. Jerry and Shirley sing about it. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them as white as snow. That's right. That's the way I feel right now. I, I, I'm, I'm a paradox. I'm as empty as I can be, but I'm full of His grace. That's right. I'm as, I'm as burdened and heavy and tired and sick of my lack of growth and progress, aren't you? But I'm just as satisfied as I can be with Christ and the fact that I don't have a sin to my name. Narrow one. That's right. Well, you say, I don't stand that kind of preaching. You will when God saves you. That wasn't nice, but that's so, Danny. You will when God saves you. That's the only man who can't understand it. Is the man that's experienced. You say, I don't understand the new birth. You will when you're born again. I don't understand faith. You will when you have it. It's just like folks don't understand children. You will when you have some. That's it. You will when you experience it. I don't understand married people. You're not married. And I understand this. When, when, watch this now. When Paul speaks of inward conflict, he speaks in the, in, in the, in the first person. He says, I. Look back at chapter 7. 
I, the things I would do, the things I would not do, I, in my flesh, I, when he speaks of what's going on, because he knows himself. He knows himself. But when he speaks of the, of the, uh, of the privileges of a child of God, he speaks in general terms. Them. There's no condemnation to them. To them. Who are in Christ. To them. Now I want you to see four things, and, and I'll be brief. Number one, the believer's conflict. The believer's conflict. Let's just go over a few of these. Look at verse 14. Let me just go verse by verse, see if I can help you just a little bit. I won't tarry too long on each one, but just a running commentary. He says in verse 14 of Romans 7, the law is spiritual. I know the law is spiritual. That is, it comes from the Spirit of God, and it goes to the Spirit of man, and it requires a spiritual inward holiness. The law is spiritual. The law of God is spiritual. The commandments of God are spiritual. It demands inward holiness. It has to do with attitude and spirit. Now, I'm convinced that the average preacher in church doesn't know what sin is. I really do. I'm convinced of that. We've got, we've got sin con, 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 uh, uh, formed to, to physical, material things. That's sin. Sin is in a bottle. Sin is in a, in a cinema. Sin is in a television. Sin is in a deck of cards. These are all material things. Sin was here before Jay, any of those things came. That's not the, so sin is not a material substance. Sin is an attitude. The law of God spiritual. Spiritual. That's the reason Christ said to these Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and you neglect the inside. This is where it is, the inside. Cleanse first the inside. Get the right spirit toward God, the right attitude toward God and toward His Word, the right attitude toward other people. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbors yourself. And your deeds will be straightened out. He said to the Pharisees, they were so careful to wash their hands before they ate. Materialistic. They were so careful not to eat pork or certain meat or drink certain beverages. Christ said, you don't, nothing you put in your mouth is going to defile you. It may upset your stomach. It may upset your stomach. It may give you Ed Montezuma's revenge or something like that, you know. But it ain't going to touch your heart, I guarantee you. That's when you can't save a man by feeding him away from wine. It's not what goes in his mouth that defiles him or spiritualizes him. And that's when you can't save a man in that pool. It's what comes out of his heart that defiles him. That's where the whole thing is. The law is spiritual. But I'm carnal. I'm natural. And you are too, compared to that law. That's what I'm talking about. Now, we're not carnal. We're not advocating what they call the carnal and spiritual Christian theory. But I'm saying that every man, every son of Adam, every woman here, compared to the holy, spiritual, inward, perfect, immutable, infinite law of God, is carnal. Okay, who you are? Compared to God's law, you're carnal. And you're sold unto sin. That is, you're an even, even this, what? You're even an involuntary servant to your flesh. Yes, you are. You don't have any control. No, I don't say any. You don't have much control over that flag. You're an involuntary servant to it. There are thoughts that come in your mind you didn't even prepare for, right? You're an involuntary servant to that flesh. That, that fle there, there are things that happen that you didn't sit down and draw the blueprints and say, now, heart, think this. It thought it first. It said it first. You see, I'm a, I'm, the law is holy and spiritual. I'm carnal compared to that law, and I'm, I'm sold in slavery to that flesh. Adam sold me out in the garden. And I became, I became a servant of this flesh. That's right, of this flesh to nature. Look at verse 15. He says the, the things, the word is approved here. I know it's no in the, in the margin, but it's approved. That which I that for that which I do, 
I approve not. I don't approve. Brethren, there's not a believer on earth who, who does not think and say and do things he doesn't approve of. I don't approve of it in me and I don't approve of it in you. The things that I do, I don't approve of. And that I would, that I do not. That's what I do approve of. What I hate, I do. You having a problem with that? Well, I sure you do. Job said, if I justify myself, my own mouth would condemn me. All right, look at verse 16. If then I do that involuntarily even, spontaneously, from the flesh, which I don't approve of, the very fact I don't approve of signifies that I consent to the law that's good. I'm glad that that conviction's there. I'd worry if it wasn't. If I could, if I could have a wrong attitude towards someone, the wrong spirit, and, and, and this sort of thing, and, and, and thrive and live upon it and feast upon it, then I'd worry about this thing. I'm, I'm glad I have conviction because it shows I love God's law. It shows I consent to the law that it's good. I'm wrong and the law's right. David said, Lord, you're justified when you condemn me. You're righteous when you speak. Now, verse 17. It's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul's not denying his responsibility. Sin can't act. The man must act. The man must act. But it's the nature of sin that motivates the act. It's that flesh that's still in me. For he says in verse 18, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Let me tell you something. When God saved you, he didn't take your flesh and make it over again. It's still flesh. He didn't, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. What he did is put a new man in you. He put a new nature in you. And that new nature subdues the flesh and conquers the flesh and reigns over the flesh and restrains the flesh. That new nature does. You see that? But the flesh is still there. And it's still battling, still scratching and clawing. It's still, you see... Uh, you, a man before he's saved, he's, he, he, he curses. Oh, how he just swears and blasphemes God. And, and he gets angry and he curses God. Well, when he's saved, God gives him a new nature. And that new nature loves God, Bob. He loves him. And he doesn't want to curse. So he subdues that. But only he still gets upset. But now he doesn't curse God because that new nature won't let him curse God. See, it's still there. The old nature's there. It's to be contended with. I know, verse 18, that in me and my flesh dwelleth no good thing. To will is present with me. How to perform that which is perfect? Have you found it yet? I have what Paul said. I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect. I haven't laid hold upon that for which Christ has laid hold upon me. For the good that I would, the perfection that I would, I don't do. But the evil which I would not, that's what I do. That's not I that do it. It's no more I that do it. It's sin, that nature of sin, the flesh that dwells, not reigns, but dwells. Not controls, but dwells. Yet still there. Still remains. And it's going to remain till God takes you home. I find then a rule that when I would do perfect, when I would do good, I tell you this, sometimes you can get on your knees in prayer. I mean, you're going to have a, a sacred, holy time of communion with God. And you open your Bible, and you're going to pray, and the flesh gets so sleepy. Oh, so sleepy. You get your good book. Here's, here's Horatio Bonar, The Way of Peace. Oh, that's good. Preacher said read it. He bought it, and he lay down, you know. And, and popped his head up good for a good old time of fellowship with the Lord. And he read three lines. And, <laughs> and he walked in and found there's that good old book laying on his chest here, you know. And, uh, well, he wants to, but he's tired. I, I understand that. I understand that. And thank God he understands it. I'm still a human being. And, and that... And let's, let's don't look down our noses. Well, you know, love covers a multitude of afflictions and infirmities. Let's grow in grace. Let's grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ. And, 
And while some of you fellas been around a long time, you, you've got the world by the tail on a downhill pull. That's okay, but there's some new Christians here, some new believers that are battling. Oh, now they're battling. That old nature, that old man is 70 years old, and that new man's about two months old. And that's something. That old man, he's old, he's wise in the ways of the world. Those eyes have looked upon sin and the world for all these years and hear this new young whippersnapper born of the Spirit, you know, comes around to take over. And that old man's wise in the ways of the world. And that young new nature has a time, doesn't he? Has a time until he grows. But you get to feeding that new nature on the Word of God, he's going to get some muscle. He's going to get some power. You feed that new nature on prayer and God's Word and Bible study and preaching and rejoicing and communicating with one another, edification, exhort one another while it's called today. And after a while, that new man gets stronger and stronger. That old man's still alive. He's still hanging around. He still has to get his licks in, and he's going to do it. In other words, Paul says here, verse 23, 22, look at it. I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law warring against the law of man and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my flesh. Now here's what Paul is saying. I'm a man of two natures. I have a nature that's holy and righteous and loves God. I do. Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Well, now wait a minute, Peter, just about two or three days ago, you're saying you didn't know me. Lord, you know all that. You know I love you. You know I love you. But I tell you, Lord, when I was sitting by that fire and I saw those fellows with those swords, they're sharp, razor sharp. Lord, I saw him sharpening that thing. And, and he put an edge on that thing and cut a hair. And, and Lord, I, I just chickened out. That's all there was to it. I, I just sitting there and I saw that sword and I saw that great big old gruff Roman soldier and I saw that and it held those nails and that hammer. And I felt my hands. And they broke out in a cold sweat. And that little girl said, you know him? And I said, no, I don't know him either. I'm not with this outfit. That's right, isn't he? What would you have done? The same thing, I bet you. A dollar and a half to a cow and a calf. That's what Rob used to say. And I'd come out the winter. I tell you, it's, it's one thing to boast about what you do. It's another thing to do it. And Paul said, I'm a man with two natures. I readily admit it. But look at verse 1 of chapter 8. I've got to wind this thing down. But he says, I'll tell you this, there's therefore now, right now, in this present condition, right now, no judgment, no condemnation. No condemnation. Right now, no guilt, no charge, no condemnation. Years ago, when I was a song leader at Pollard Baptist Church, 1947, that's 34 years ago. I was just a young fella, and I asked a lady to sing a solo one Sunday morning. Not many folks know about this, but me and the pastor. I was going to have her sing a solo, and she hadn't been the nicest lady in the world, according to some people, but the Lord had saved her, she said. So I asked her to sing. And one of the deacons came to him and said she couldn't sing. I said, why? He said she ain't had long enough to live down her past. You know how long it's going to take you to live yours down eternity, and you're not going to make it then. I'd rather the Lord take care of that past. Hadn't you? His blood can take care of it just like that. I don't have any past. I don't have any condemnation. That's what they say. Look what they say right there. No condemnation. No! I like that now. No condemnation. There's people here in this congregation that's got a messed up past. Brother, in Christ, if you come to Christ, if you rest in Him, look to Him, believe on Him, you don't have any past. I sat in my office. Some of you remember this about the fellow that shot his wife who was expecting by another man when he came in. He used to Ashton Oil Man years ago. Picked up a shotgun, killed her and the baby. Went to jail and served three years and got out. He sat in my study, and he asked me this. He said, uh, I didn't know who he was. When he walked in, I didn't know, have any idea who he was. And walked in and sat down, and he said, uh, 
preacher, he said, you believe what you preach? Something like that. I said, well, yes, I do. He said, will, will God forgive any sin? Any sin? I said, yes, sir. He said, any sin? I said, yes, sir. He said, you know who you're talking to? I said, no, sir. And he said, I'm the fellow you read about some time ago that killed his wife with a shotgun. Will God forgive them? And I said, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. There's no churches that won't let people be deacons who've been married before. That's a bunch of Tommy Rod. As far as I'm concerned, the past is done. It is for Christ. I want you to turn to the scripture. Let, let's turn over here to, uh, to uh, uh, see if I, I can find where that, uh, he says in Hebrews. Let's turn to Hebrews. That's where it is, chapter 11. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about, brethren, I know there's some folks that feel guilty. They just carry a load of guilt. They carry a guilty look. They carry, uh, when they're around somebody, they, there's a, there's a, there's a black girl that came to hear me preach uh, last year down in Franklin, Tennessee, and, and baked me a pecan pie, nice looking young girl, and in her early 20s, 23, 24, and, and uh, I know she wasn't there the first day I preached down there last week, she, she wasn't there, and uh, I asked the pastor where she was, and he said, well, said, uh, She's kind of shamed and embarrassed she's pregnant. I said, well, I wish you'd get in touch with her until I'd just love to see her. I wish she'd come here and preach. You know, I wish folks, when, 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 when they got problems, wouldn't run from God. I wish they wouldn't. I, I don't want to embarrass. I, I'm not uh, doctors. The, the, the world don't need a physician. Sinners need Christ. Sick people need Christ. Do you believe that? She was there the next night, and I went over to her and looked her and told her how glad I was. It didn't, it, I meant it for my soul, Jay. Meant it for my soul. I don't know. And, and we walk around and carrying this, this, this. Uh, if, if anybody's had any past at all, they feel kind of, they feel kind of embarrassed around these holy people. Lord, deliver me from these holy people. I don't want to live with them. I want to live a sinner saved by grace. Don't you want to be holy? I am in Christ, and I want to be outwardly and inwardly and all about me. But let's be honest, people. Huh? He says here in Hebrews chapter, chapter 10, he says in chapter 10, verse 16, This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my law into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. No more. No more. I like that. No more. No more. There is therefore now no condemnation. Lift up your heads. Rejoice in your hearts. Find joy and peace in your soul. The blood of Christ cleanseth us from all sin. But I have such a struggle. We'll join the gang. Paul says, I'm with you 100%. But I have so many conflicts. That's right. All of us do when we tell the truth. But I tell you this. I have conflicts, but I don't have any condemnation. And I'm not justifying our sins. You know better than that. I'm not giving us an excuse for sin, an excuse for justifying ourselves at all. My sins grieve me, and so do yours. But I tell you this, my Lord cleansed them. And I have greater rejoicing in him than I do sadness over me. All right, watch this. There's no condemnation to them who are where? In the church. No, sir. In Christ. They're in Christ. They're in Christ by God's elective grace. They're in Christ by saving faith. They're in Christ by the Holy Spirit's regenerating work. They're in Christ. And that's the reason there's no condemnation. Because they're in Him. Now, brother, out of Him there's plenty of condemnation. You better think about your past, present, and future out of Christ. But in Christ I have no past and I've got a glorious future. And I'm enjoying the present. And here it gives another word about them. They walk not after the flesh, 
but after the Spirit. Now listen to me. The word walk is our progress, our direction, the tenor of our lives, the bent of our will. That's our walk. Now the child of light occasionally can step in darkness, and the child of darkness can occasionally step in light. But the general walk of the believer is in the light, and the general walk of the unbeliever is in darkness. The direction of the believer is holiness to the Lord, the tenor of his life, the bent of his will. That's his walk. That's his progress. That's his direction. Sometimes he may move a lot slower than other times, Jay. Sometimes he's moving right along. Sometimes he's setting. Sometimes he's backing up. But he's headed that way. He's facing God, living for God. The unbeliever walks in the opposite direction. That's the walk. They don't walk after the flesh. They walk after the Spirit. He says that two or three times. They mind the things of God. They mind. Look down here in verse, verse 4 and 5. They that are after the flesh, that's their mind. They mind the things of the flesh. The things of the world, that's their concern, their care, their thoughts, their plans, their ambition in the world. They mind those things. The child of God, yeah, he thinks about the world. He thinks about those things. He can't say that it never enters my mind. That never enters my mind. Baloney. But I tell you, his mind is set on Christ, Bill. You see, that's, he minds the things of Christ. He's, he's spiritual-minded. Now, I know you fellas have got to go to work five days a week. You've got to survive in a, in a tough world. You've got bills to pay, taxes to pay. You've got children to educate. And you've got to give some thought to these things. But it's not an anxious thought. It, it's not a... It's not a, a thought that's controlled by the things of the flesh. Your main thought and affection and concern is for your spirit. Isn't that right? Your spirit, the spiritual things, the kingdom of God. All right, what about the, what about the believer's future? Well, he says down here in verse 16, The Spirit beareth witness with our spirits that we're children of God. And if we're children of God, then we're heirs of God and with joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Joint heirs. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. My message to you, and I think I've run true on it this morning, I've been true to the scripture, there's no condemnation in Christ. Now. Now. And that's encouraging. That's, that's assuring. That gives me comfort. It gives me joy in my heart. I tell you this, you here who are without Christ, that ought to give you some interest. Boy, I'll tell you. You, you want to fight the battle yourself? Somebody says, well, I'm going to, when I make up my mind, I'm going to straighten out my life. And No, that's, uh, that's not the way God saves people. You don't help him save you. You look to Christ and trust in Christ just as you are without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me. Well, when I'm ready to live the Christian life, well, what, what, what are you talking about? Perfect? Without sin? Or you'll be by yourself because ain't nobody else making it. Christ is our righteousness. And we grow together. We're babies. If, if we never have a child in our home to have a full-grown child, we'll never have one. But every baby that was born into our family has got to go through that diaper wetting stage and, and spilling milk stage and crying and, and all of these things. And now we've got some fine, grown young people. I knew some of you young people, you were brats. And we had to take you like that, didn't we? We didn't have no choice. <laughs> and that's where the Lord takes his people when they're brats. And he gives them a preacher to feed them the milk of the word. And he gives them some friends to encourage them and pat them on the back, you know, sometimes put it, put it hard and firm. But that's what you need. You come, that's where you come to Christ. That's where you come to Christ. You don't get theologically wise and have it all figured out and then come to the Lord and bring him something that you've already worked out. No, sir, you, you come just like you are, like that, that woman who washed his feet. 